Father God, um, we just pray that um, as we come to your precious word today, your life-giving word, that um, by your spirit you would uh, really soften our hearts to uh, hear deeply what you have for us today. We um, do pray that you would uh, accomplish the work you intend for your word today. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's reading is Mark 4, verses 1 to 34. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no fruit root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, Let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? 
It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Thank you, Maureen. <clears throat> well, um, if you're new with us this morning, as, Ma- as uh, Steve mentioned, we're looking at the Gospel of Mark at, uh, as a church, both on Sundays and in our home groups. Uh, and it's been a really um, a, a great start as we looked at the first few chapters of Mark's Gospel, looking at the Kingdom of God. Uh, there's so much in there for us. One thing you notice as you start reading through Mark is it seems to be a bit of a movement sort of growing um, and uh, there's a bit of chatter around today about how to grow a movement, uh, how, what sorts of things need to happen if you're going to get, make a splash and start growing something. Uh, 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 what, what's going to happen if your movement is going to um, go big quickly, it's going to go viral? Um, there's no shortage of people who can give you advice on this. So uh, just a bit of uh, internet research pulled this up for me. Um, you need to fit your content to your target audience. You know, you've got to know who you're targeting and you've got to fit your content to them. You, you need to be funny slash inspiring. Um, uh, and, but one of the most important things is that you need to get picked up by social media influencers. There are people who uh, their job, I think, is to be an influencer on social media. Uh, people who can sort of spread your message and make it go viral quickly. Um, well... There wasn't a lot of social media, in, well, any really, in the first century Israel, but there were, there, were, there were plenty of people looking out for the next movement, uh, the next sort of big thing happening, looking for uh, a movement that, well, uh, for the people in Israel, would free them from the rule of the Roman Empire um, over them, looking for kind of a social-political movement, And so you can imagine the buzz when Jesus comes along and says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. You can imagine the kind of buzz that would have been sort of floating around, uh, what looks like a really revolutionary message, the day God's people had been waiting for, liberation, uh, freedom, fulfilment. If ever there was a time to get some influences on board, and go viral, go big as quickly as possible. Uh, this was it. And so you can also imagine something of the disappointment uh, uh, from the people around Jesus as they start to see him actually do his thing. Um, uh, as they start to see him setting up this kingdom that he's come to announce. We've already seen something of this. He could do incredible miracles and, and did, but he had this strong sort of focus on his his teaching, his message, uh, and he seemed to hang out in strange sort of backwater places and he seemed to call strange backwater sort of people uh, into his kingdom. It would have been much better, um, you know, from, uh, if, if from the uh, PR consultants that would have suggested that he goes to the big city, actually. He built a much bigger fan base. 
Not only that, though, he seems to be making some strange decisions if he wants this movement to go big quickly. Not only that, uh, uh, we've already seen the last few chapters, there's opposition and hostility to Jesus growing and growing. And not just from kind of fringe quarters, right from that central, um, the central kind of leadership of the time, uh, opposition and, and hatred from the religious leaders, the, the, the bigwigs from Jerusalem, uh, opposition from his own family who think he's crazy. So what is Jesus going to do in the face of all this? What's his next move as he goes to try to set up his kingdom? Well, one of the surprising things as we get to Mark chapter 4 is, well, maybe it's not surprising actually if we've been reading Mark so far, But what Jesus does is he goes out and starts to teach. Uh, He goes out to the lake and he teaches. Mark 4 verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Again, no surprises. The crowd that gathered around him was so large. We've seen this, this large sort of crowd that's sort of pressing on Jesus. Uh, It's so large that he gets a boat. He has to get a boat uh, to sit out on the water so that he can teach and not be crushed or maybe he can sort of be heard by everyone. He goes out to teach and what we're going to focus on today is, is to see specifically how Jesus teaches in parables. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. A parable is the kind of thing where you put two things side by side. So on one side you have a, a regular everyday illustration that everyone kind of can connect with. On the other side is some deeper reality that you're connecting these two things, sort of putting them side by side, some deeper reality. Uh, you see right at the end of our passage, right down in verse 33, it says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't speak say anything without using a parable. So parables uh, at this point are, are really central to what Jesus is trying to do. Um, parables, they're, they're really interesting things, right? They're, they're meant to kind of draw you in. They're meant to kind of, they, they draw you in, they let your defences down, they get under your skin with this everyday kind of story that you can relate to. And they're meant to, once that's happened, they're meant to kind of actually shock you. Um, they're meant to get in, draw you in, and kind of then deliver the one-two punch or something. Uh, that uh, once you once you once your sort of defences are let down, and you see what it's actually saying. Uh, one of the great examples of this in the Bible is in the Old Testament. You might be familiar with this: King David and his prophet Nathan. David's committed adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan goes to David and tells him this parable about this rich man who who and a poor man, and the rich man steals the poor man's lamb. Uh, and David gets furious at this guy, and he says, "This guy deserves to die." Uh, and then comes the punch. And Nathan looks at David and says, You are the man. You are, thou art the man. You are the man. Uh, and that moment, the parable has its effect on David. And he, and he sort of bro- is broken down and his defences are uh, broken down. Um, so parables are a really powerful thing. They're meant to be powerful. They're, they're not meant to be just nice Moral fables that teach you some aspect about good living, um, like uh, how to be a good Samaritan. Um, 
They're not just another nice thought for the day. Uh, They're actually really subversive, uh, really powerful tools that Jesus uses. And he uses them to talk about the kingdom of God. They're not just about abstract ideas or um, kind of moral philosophies. He uses them to talk about the kingdom of God. They're a powerful way to see what it means for God to reign through Jesus, his king. So they're really powerful, uh, but they're powerful in another way as well. They have another effect that you see in this passage. They They have this effect of actually revealing the state of your heart. They kind of get in and they have an exposing and even a judging effect on you. Um, They show who is with Jesus and who's not. Uh, Right in the middle of the parable of the sower, which we will get to in a second, but there's this really important uh, chunk from verse 10. Jesus is is alone with the 12 and he he, he sort of explains the the parable to to them. Uh, He tells them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. To these 12 who are gathered around Jesus and who are putting their trust in him. Uh, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. It's a tricky little section. I'm sure there was lots of wrestling with that in home groups. It's a quote from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and you really need to see that to, to understand what Jesus is saying here. Uh, it's from Isaiah, and it, it, Isaiah was speaking to people who had rejected God, uh, and they turned away from the God of Israel, from Yahweh, to idols, the idols of the nations around them. And God sends Isaiah to proclaim his word to them, knowing actually that their hearts were already turned away from him. Uh, and the effect of God's word as Isaiah speaks it, would be that those whose hearts were already hard would be hardened even more, would just keep not understanding even more and more. They'd hear the words, but they'd get deeper and deeper in their, in their hardening. So the parables can actually do that. Jesus is saying there's a similar dynamic going on here. Um, at the same time, though, it's not a fatalistic kind of thing. Uh, Jesus isn't saying this purely as a kind of as a fatalistic thing. Those who are on the outside can come in. We've already seen that the whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to call sinners to repentance. Uh, Jesus tells these parables so that people would listen to them and respond rightly to them and not be hardened away from God. Verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Another sort of tricky little passage, but see what Jesus is saying. Consider carefully how you respond to this matters. Those who respond rightly with faith uh, will be given more. Those who don't, even what they have will be taken away. It's a warning and a promise. So friends, as we, we're going to now sort of move through the parables in this section. 
but that's a right place for us to start, isn't it? To hear Jesus' um, solemn urging for you today to consider carefully what you hear. To consider carefully what you hear. So, the secret of Jesus' kingdom. Uh, let's recap the first parable that he talks about. This is him sort of filling us in about the kingdom of God. Um, it's a very familiar parable to those who've been around churches for a little bit of time. Uh, others of us who are a bit newer, this will be new to you, which is fantastic. But for all of us, let's try and approach it with a bit of a fresh kind of a fresh mind. He tells this, uh, this story about this farmer who goes out to sow his seed in verse 3. He uh, scatters the seed, some falls along the path, the birds come eat it up, some falls on rocky places where it doesn't have much soil and you can picture these plants springing up quickly and, but then they don't have the root down there so they just wither. Um, some uh, fall among thorns and the, they do grow up but they just get choked, the life gets choked out of them uh, and they can't produce any seed themselves, any grain uh, others fall, other seed falls on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, and an incredible crop, a, a really great crop, some 30, some 60, some even 100 times. Um, whoever has ears, let them hear. Well, Jesus, later on, he does explain this to his disciples. Jump down to verse 13. Uh, and he says this is kind of, in a way, an introduction to all the parables. Um, don't you understand this? How, if you don't understand this, how will you understand any parable? How you respond to the word, uh, to what Jesus says, is really foundational to how you understand anything he says. Uh, the farmer sows the word, verse 14. So that, that's, really, that's really foundational and important, isn't it? The farmer sows the word. Jesus is teaching here about his kingdom that he's setting up, how it's going to grow. And the first thing he wants to impress using this parable is his kingdom is going to grow through this small, unimpressive, fragile little seed of the word. The word. A little seed, it's tiny, unimpressive, and yet inside it, it has the potential for incredible life. A farmer sows the word. Uh, Jesus sows the word as he goes out proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, his people have sown his word ever since as they proclaim God's kingdom through Jesus. The farmer sows the word, but some of the seed that he scatters falls on the path. Uh, the path, you this trodden hard dirt that nothing's going to get down into. Uh, and as soon as, as soon as it's sown, uh, the birds come and peck the seed. Satan comes and just grabs that word away. Uh, someone might hear the gospel about Jesus. And it just, it, it, there's a hardness that it just will not penetrate in. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and they start really well. They receive it with joy. But the, the issue is they don't have roots. They don't have roots. They don't have substance, a, a solid foundation that's going to keep them upright when trials and persecutions come. And because they don't have roots, well, 
the great impact that it started with just comes to nothing, actually. Uh, they, they go as quickly as they have come. They last only a short time, verse 17. Uh, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So we've got the path, the rocky places. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. So there's another patch of the place where the sower is throwing his seed. There's some thorns growing up. The seed also takes root and starts growing. They hear the words. You get a picture here. This is someone who's he's more settled. They're not as in unstable as the per- person on the rocky ground. They're more settled. Perhaps they're in church for a long time, um, or in and out of churches for a long time. Um, but you, but they don't get too serious about Jesus. And other things are just far more important to them in reality when they're kind of honest in their own heart. Um, Other things are just far more over time. What was once precious and perhaps really important just gets choked out. Uh, The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life, the concerns, the pressures of everyday life that we all experience, the deceitfulness of wealth. What is it about wealth that deceives it gives you a false impression of your own um, self, the, the way that you can rely on yourself. It, it, it deceives you into thinking that you can trust yourself, you can rely on yourself, you can get by on your own. You don't need help, you don't need a saviour. Dece- it deceives the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things. Um, over time, your heart just gets pulled and pulled by other things and your, the, the desires for other things come and take away the desire for God's word, uh, for God himself. So there's three sort of pretty sad pictures, isn't it? This path. Uh, and, and you get a picture of this sower, right? He's, um, he's not trying to be particularly efficient. He's just throwing the seed out there. Uh, and actually, most of the people who hear it <laughs> Don't respond well to it at all. Or some respond well for a little bit, but then get choked out uh, or, or fall over because they don't have roots. But there are some who do hear this word, the good soil. They hear the word. They listen. Their first instinct is not to talk, but to listen. We live in a world where everyone is clamouring for a voice uh, to make their mark. But Jesus' kingdom is made up of those whose first instinct is to close their mouths and open their ears, to listen to Jesus. They hear the word and they accept it. It's not just that they hear it, they accept it. They trust it. They let it in. Uh, They have an attitude of humility towards the word. Um, Martin Luther, uh, he has this great image in in one of the things he wrote. Martin Luther was a great um, reformer about 500 years ago uh, and has had an incredible impact on the world and set up the sort of Protestant movement that 
our church is, I guess, a a part of. Uh, He wrote this. If you ask a Christian what the work is by which he becomes worthy of the name Christian, he'll be able to give absolutely no other answer than that it is hearing the word of God. That is faith. And this is a great image. I love this image. Therefore, the ears alone are the organ of a Christian. Um, obviously, we're not just a big ear, but you get what he's saying? Um, fundamentally, to be a Christian is to be one who hears, who is, who is spoken to by God and who hears God and accepts his word. That's not a... But what's, not, what's in view here is not a passive thing. It's not just sitting back, hearing, and getting your head full of knowledge uh, and then going on with everyday life. That's not at all what's on view here. And you see that with what, where this uh, parable goes. They, don't, they hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. They produce a crop. Uh, 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 sometimes 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Uh, this works itself out in an incredible fruitfulness in their life. Um, th- the impact that this word has on their life is not what sort of makes them right with God. Uh, it's not that they are justified by their works, uh, but the one who has heard and been addressed like this and has had that word planted deep in them will, will has to produce a crop in their own lives. So the secret of Jesus' kingdom, this new movement, is that it is going to grow through the seed of the word. That's at its heart. That's how this kingdom will grow. Um, the word of the gospel, the good news proclaimed. But you see through all these parables, there's a real hiddenness to it at the same time. Uh, most We've already said this. Most people who hear actually don't receive it uh, in the parable. Um, That's helpful to know, isn't it? Most of this seed is wasted. Uh, That doesn't stop the sower from throwing it out there, though. The next couple of parables acknowledge this kind of hiddenness about the kingdom. But what what they do is they help us to lift our eyes to see the bigger picture. Verse 21, he said to them, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Yes, of course. I mean, who lights a lamp and then puts it underneath the bed? Um, Or puts it under a bowl? That doesn't make sense. The whole purpose of the lamp is so that it would shine. It would be put up high and give light to the room. Verse 22, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. See what Jesus is saying here, that there's a hiddenness about what's going on, but it's just temporary. There will be an unveiling, a revealing. Uh, It it has to be like that. It's the nature of this kingdom that it it shines, that it is seen. Um, That's the nature of a lamp. It's the nature of a seed as well. Verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Uh, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, so he doesn't know how. There's this mystery, this hiddenness to it. 
It's outside of human control. This seed seems to just be growing all by itself. Um, my problem is when I try and start a veggie patch, I've had two false starts with veggie patches because I plant the seeds and I get all excited and then I forget about it and then uh, then I come back you know, a couple of months later and all of a sudden there's all this mess and grass and it's just not good. So anyway, I don't know why I said that. Uh, it's because there's a, there's a, it's a mystery, right? Uh, it's, um, uh, that, that it does grow up all by itself. It's outside of human control. <laughs> but it's steadily but surely growing, right, this seed? It's uh, steadily but surely growing. Uh, Verse 28, all by itself, the soil produces the grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. So uh, it's the nature of this this seed to, to, to be seen, to come to its fruition. But verse 29, it's also the nature of this, that there will be a harvest. There will be a great harvest, verse 29. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So there's a hiddenness to what's going on, but that doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Actually, incredible things are happening. Back to Luther, one more Luther quote. This is a great one. Luther probably changed the world more than um, anyone else uh, apart from Jesus, and maybe, I, I don't know, I'm not a, uh, but you know, he, he had a massive impact on the world. And this is what he wrote, um, reflecting on what happened through um, his kind of confrontation with the Church of Rome, which at the time he saw as corrupt, and his beginning of this new movement called the Reformation. He said... I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And then, while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friend Philip of Armsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that never a prince or emperor did such damage to it. I did nothing. The word did it all. So he sees himself, he's just having a beer with his mates, uh, and all he's doing is... is passing on the word. It's the word is doing the work. It's the seed of the word that is at work. And that's what you see in this parable. There's a hiddenness to it, but there is a mighty power at work. And that's, again, what gets focused in the last, the last parable Jesus tells here. There will be an unmistakable, incredible abundance in the kingdom of God. What should we, verse 30, what should we say the kingdom of God is like? Verse 31, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, probably the smallest that um, they would have commonly used. Yet once planted, it grows to become the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. It is amazing, isn't it, when you see a tiny little seed uh, that grows into an incredible tree, to think it, there's, a, there's a continuity between that and that, that everything that was meant for the, needed for the tree was in that tiny little seed that was so weak and insignificant and um, bird food, right? What, what, what is bird food turns into a bird house. The birds come and uh, perch in its branches. God's kingdom might look like that tiny seed, 
But you will be amazed when you see it in its fullness. Now the question for these last few parables is, when does all of this happen? When does the light shine? When does the harvest come? When does the tree, be, when is it seen? Um, I think the answer is, uh, on one hand, you see it now, actually. You do see it today. Um, the, the, there has been an incredible growth from 12 frail, unimpressive followers following Jesus around here, including one of whom was a traitor. So like this, this really, if you're going to start a movement, that's not a good space to start, right? Uh, that's a weak, unimpressive seed. But today there are billions of people who are following Jesus as Lord. So, and not through force, not through political activism, but through the weak, unimpressive proclaiming of the word, the sharing of the gospel. So there is, I think, a way in which we can see these parables playing out and being fulfilled all through history. But actually, actually, I think what's in view, the focus is not actually now in these parables. Uh, it's on the future, on the last days when Jesus returns to judge and to make everything new, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. On that day... Everyone will see his light. That day will be the great and final harvest as people from every nation gather around Jesus' throne. On that day, the tree will be fully grown and everyone will see it for what it is. People from all over will come and shelter in its branches through the word of the gospel. And how can we know this? Well, friends, the reason that you can know that this is true is because the kingdom follows the same pattern as the king. The kingdom follows the same pattern as the king. Uh, this king comes in humble weakness, in hidden glory, this humble seed. Um, in John 12, Jesus talks about himself like a grain of seed and he says unless a grain of seed falls to the ground and dies it just remains a single seed but if it dies if it falls it will then produce many seeds uh, Jesus fell and died for our sin uh, but he rose again to new incorruptible life a life that through the word of the gospel is growing and bearing fruit across the world and that one day will be seen by all people for what it really is. So friends, consider carefully what you hear today. Uh, I just want to finish by some, a couple of brief reflections on that. Uh, Jesus is urging... The, the parable is actually at work right now. <laughs> Uh, isn't that that's amazing to think? Uh, as you are hearing this word, it is Jesus' seed that is falling on your heart. And he is urging you today to ha have a heart that is soft, good soil. Uh, to hear independent trust and receive this word of the gospel. 
Not to be someone who, whose first instinct is to speak your own ideas, but to listen to God's word to you. To let it sink into you and let it bear its fruit. Let it bear its fruit. Its nature is to bear fruit, to produce a crop, to become visible in your life, just as it's going to become visible across the whole world when Jesus returns. So we do need to ask ourselves the question today, don't we? If that word is not bearing fruit in my life, why not? Perhaps there are thorns that need uprooting in your life. Uh, Concerns and desires of this life, the self-reliance that comes with your wealth, anything that stops you from hearing and receiving and acting on God's word. Uh, It's also the nature of, it's, it's the nature of this seed to bear fruit. It's also the nature of this seed to bear fruit for your whole life, um, for your whole life, uh, that's what the kind of the message of the thorns is warning us against—a a quick start that falls away, or the, the rocky soil rather. Uh, one author has described it as a long obedience in the same direction. I think that's a lovely phrase. A long obedience in the same direction. Uh, that's what's on view here. To do that, you'll need deep roots in God's word. That was the trouble with the rocky soil. They didn't have those roots buried deep that can give you stability when trouble and persecution come. So friends, we need to examine ourselves today, but I want to finish with a word of real encouragement that comes out of this passage, these these wonderful um, parables to us. There's just such a deep encouragement for, for us here, I think. Friends, um, maybe you are aware of the apparent insignificance of the kingdom of God. I certainly am. You can sense its smallness, its opposition, opposition uh, perhaps fruitlessness um, with those whom you are seeking to share the seed of this word Uh, Jesus says that that's actually to be expected. That's what happened to Jesus as well. So in a way, it's kind of business as usual. That's to be expected. Keep sowing the word. Uh, Keep sowing the word in your own life and with the people around you. That is how God's kingdom grows. Through the word of God. Not through manipulation or techniques, but through the word of God. That's how God will grow his kingdom. So it, it, it helps us to be aware that that's just the reality, but we need to also not miss the incredible reality that's, that's in these parables as well, not miss the hidden majesty, the wonderful, miraculous growth of God's kingdom today, as God's word is actually bearing wonderful fruit is transforming lives by his spirit. Even is changing your life, making you bit by bit, slowly, way too slowly we feel, slowly like a seed sort of struggling up to get some light. 
but slowly but surely making you a little more loving, a little more joyful in Christ, a little more contented and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. So don't miss the hidden majesty and wonder of that. And don't miss the glorious future that is promised by Jesus for all those who are part of his kingdom, the great harvest, the bright light that will shine when all things will come under Jesus' good and loving rule and when God will be all in all. That is our glorious hope. We cannot tell how it will happen, but it will happen. Uh, Can I pray for us and then I think we'll respond in song. Thank you, our God, for these parables. Thank you that they both open up well, they, they help us to deal with the reality of life in a world that uh, is fallen and a world in which the seed of your word often does not bear the fruit that it ought to. Uh, we pray for ourselves that we might be those who hear your word, who long for it, um, and in whom that word bears good fruit in our lives, that conforms us to the image of Christ, that... Um, that enables your spirit to to do his work within us, to, to for his fruit to grow more and more within us. Lord, give us that longing for your for you and your word. We pray. Um, please help us to see the thorns and the rocky soil of our heart. Um, make us new. We pray today. Uh, we pray too, Father, for a great, settled humble confidence in the sure and unstoppable certainty of your kingdom that is, even though hidden, uh, will be all in all. We thank you for the way in which Jesus teaches us this and we pray that we will have ears to hear. Uh, Please soften us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.